Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Midnight Mass, book four, Lamentations, is the episode of Midnight Mass. I'm going to be spoiling, breaking down, going into deep. I'm digging in deep on this episode of Midnight Mass. So if you have not watched book four, I highly recommend going to check it out. The Netflix show, Midnight Mass, limited series. Go check out book four before listening to this episode. Or listen... Because I'm gonna I'm gonna be spoiling this episode, uh, in, in detail. So if you don't want to be spoiled in detail for this show, that's so far been very interesting, and it feels like things are really starting to get going, uh, then I'd highly recommend checking it out over on Netflix. Uh, but let's get it started. The last episode, episode three, uh, ended with Father Paul bursting into his house, his little house behind the church. Uh, falling down, dying, and coming back to life. Uh, you have Miss Keene, you have the Scarborough family, the the husband and wife, the mayor and his wife, and then you have a bearded dude who I thought was Joe, but it wasn't Joe, just some other bearded dude uh, fixing the sink. But they were all witness to this quote-unquote miracle of uh, Father Paul dying, having the same type of foamy bloody foamy stuff coming out of his mouth that happened to, to joe's dog uh my expectations my theories of what happened with that my explanations for that have yet to be uncovered that may not be a part of it uh i was definitely wrong on some aspects of it of my 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 guesses at the end of that episode uh but uh this episode starts uh in a different way, this one we're not we're not quite back to seeing what happened with Father Paul yet. But this episode starts with Aaron at the doctor's office, Doctor Sarah, and she's there to uh, just get a checkup, you know, get see hear how the the baby's doing, and uh, the doctor can't hear anything, so she switches to the ultrasound. And while doing the ultrasound, she realizes that uh, there is no fetus inside of Aaron any longer. And she says that must have been a miscarriage. She's like asking her all these questions of like signs that it could have been a miscarriage. And uh, Aaron says that there's none of that was present. And uh, the doctor is telling her that there, there's no baby here. And how far along the baby was, she should have known. Uh, and maybe there's a situation where she blocked it out. That's always a uh, potential aspect to, you know, a traumatic event. Uh, but regardless, Littlefoot is no longer there. And uh, she should have noticed. But uh, Aaron is, of, of course, upset and wants to know where her baby is. Uh, but Dr. Aaron doesn't, ha or Dr. Uh, Sarah doesn't have any answers for. Her. Takes some blood to, to run some to run some tests, uh, but the baby is no longer there. Uh, cut to Miss Keene putting up uh, on the sign at the church that mass is canceled. Obviously, Father Paul just died <laughs> and came back to life uh, and still not feeling well. So she's putting up on the sign. Uh, that mass is canceled and all the money she spent on the rec room 
She didn't put any aside for letters, so one of the A's in canceled is a four, which is funny. Uh, but we find out that they all know, like, we're now inside of his little house. You got the bearded dudes just staring, fixated on that news article that the camera pushed in on at the end of the last episode. So apparently all of them know that Father Paul is Monsignor Pruitt. And all of them are just okay with it. All of them know that Monsignor Pruitt, while in Jerusalem, was rejuvenated by an angel that he met. And they are all okay with it. Obviously, Miss Keene is the head of the delusional group. So not that not that surprising that she would be, you know, okay with this this whole weird scenario obviously the scarboroughs their daughter just got the ability to walk again so they're believing in miracles so they're you know i it's kind of makes sense on some level that they would go along with the fact that this old monsignor is now young again and they're just fine with it they're going to protect him I mean, the bearded dude, I guess, is okay with it as well. Uh, but the Mo- the but the Scarboroughs were scared, so they're no longer there. Uh, but uh, and the bearded dude said nobody went and looked in on uh, Father Paul, aka Monsignor Pruitt, because they were scared. Uh, so um, Keen decides to bring Pruitt some soup, some chicken ginger soup go into his room which is dark he tells her not to open the curtains because you know not feeling well doesn't want to whatever whatever uh he also says that he's extremely starving yet he eats none of the soup uh so clearly starving for something else uh miss keen compares him to jesus among other people who rose from the dead she actually kind of compliments him by saying it took jesus three days to rise from the dead it only took you three minutes uh to rise from the dead which is like like in reality if you saw somebody who you thought died in front of you and then woke up again i would assume the first thought would be that you misdiagnosed that they were dead Like, when you went to check the pulse, whoever checked the pulse did it wrong, you know? Like, that would be the first train of thought, I would assume, for a normal person. But for whatever reason, all of these people are just like, it's a miracle, he was clearly dead, and now he's alive, and there's no problem with the fact that he used to be this 80-year-old senile guy, and now he's a young, the young version we're totally going to buy it. Yes, an angel came down and sucked on your neck and dra- you drank its blood and now you are young again. We are buying, yes sir, we buy that 100%. Uh, she does offer to take him to the doctor and to get you know checked up to see if everything's okay. But uh, Pruitt, I'm just going to refer to him as Pruitt now, even though not everybody knows him as Pruitt yet. They know him as Pruitt. 
but everybody else still knows him as Father Paul, obviously. Uh, he doesn't want to get the doctor involved because he says it's a matter of faith and he doesn't want to have science coming in and messing around with their belief system, uh, which also kind of makes sense for the, the scenario that's going on. Uh, and he says that he feels God moving inside of him, uh, which, you know, it's just just applying religion to your reasoning to explain things. This this episode specifically shows how absolutely dangerous that is, <laughs> just how how delusional it is to use the Bible to use Christianity as a means to explain reality and as a means to explain life and science and things of that nature. Uh, but he says that God is moving within him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he asked to be left alone. He's going to spend the day praying. And as Miss Keene is leaving, she's like, you know, we will keep a secret, but you need to tell people. We'll do what you ask. Of course. And if you don't think they're ready, well, that's okay. Jesus revealed himself slowly after the resurrection, but what a wonderful revelation it will be to know their own dear Monsignor Pruitt was restored by an angel of God. Think about it. I mean, Keen is always looking, the opportunist of Miss Keen, always looking for a, a reason to, you know... To push the narrative, to push the narrative and to to publicize and to take advantage of situations. Uh, and as she, after she leaves, we see Monsignor Pruitt put his hand in a shaft of light that's coming into his room. And we see it's burning him. So maybe the death that he experienced was his transition into becoming a vampire, maybe? Like the rules of the vampireness. Like they're not it's not even referred to as vampire, obviously, the demon thing that that sucked his blood and that he fed on is consider they consider it to be an angel, even though it's a bald angel that has bat wings. Uh, like maybe that was his transition into becoming a vampire, that his mortal body died and now he was reborn as a vampire. And maybe that's the hunger he's feeling. Although he was feeling those hunger pains before. Like, I'm still not c convinced that Miss Keene unintentionally poisoned him. But it could also be that he is he passed out out of hunger. E anyway, there's a lot of questions have been arose and like what's going on with Aaron's baby like how does that tie into everything like obviously the the angel was following her and you know she it's she there was proof that she was pregnant but like that's a big question of this episode as well anyway cut to uh Riley is on his dad's fishing boat with his dad uh, that again mentions how his back's doing better. They have a talk. Apparently, Father Paul encouraged Riley's dad to have a discussion with him uh, because his dad has a lot of uh, resentment for his kid. Uh, not only for the fact that he left to become a investor, a tech investor, the fact that he blames his son for not telling him about 
what he did and not like you know educating him even though riley points out that like every time he did try you know his dad didn't really wasn't really attentive wasn't really willing to listen and his dad like blames himself like he apologizes to riley for the resentment he has because his dad feels that it's his fault that riley was the person he was that ended up rebelling and eventually causing him to get in a DUI and killing a kid. Like the dad kind of blames himself for not being the the parent. It like he boiled it down to be like, "Well, your mom is a saint, so it's not her fault. So it might as must be my fault that you turned out this way. So I apologize for what I did." to make you be this person that decided to go out and rebel and then eventually cause the death of somebody because you decided to drink and drive like a really shitty thing. Like it's, it's like a situation that's, that's Riley's fault, but his dad is in some ways playing a victim, but apology, like it's a very weird situation and you can kind of see that on the face uh, on Riley's face as his dad apologizes and you know it's like it's like a backhanded apology in some ways I don't know the exact way to describe what that 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 is that type of manipulation is that kind of like woe is me it's like oh I have failed you you know I failed you as a parent so that is why you are like I'm still not willing to accept you because like like you're damaged i i label you as damaged and i have taken the blame of who has damaged you versus just being accepting of who riley is anyway it's kind of like a shitty and it's it's a mentality that you see in religious people so you know it's just another there's like aspects of this show that are like just frustrating to watch to see these delusional religious people in like they're just just blind faith in like leaps of logic and like still being like uh, just passive aggressive and just just kind of shitty just not not accepting at all like he's not accepting of his son He's just willing to excuse, like he's willing to blame, he's willing to be the martyr in this situation. I have failed you, son. It is my fault. It is my reason you've turned out such, to be such a horrible person and to make such mistakes. Anyway. Um, but he ends with saying that he loves him, you know, which like... The whole situation is like, okay, dad, sure, thanks. Like, you didn't love me. You, so it's like you're saying that I'm still messed up. You love me despite being messed up, but you blame yourself for me being messed up. Like, you're not accepting of me, and you don't even give me my own, like, self-worth that I am responsible for my own actions. You know, not that, like past trauma how you are raised doesn't have anything to do with somebody who might be rebellious but you know there's there's also some self-responsibility that has to take take place as well uh anyway cut back to dr sarah is putting a label she drew some blood from aaron she's writing her name uh e green on the vial the test tube 
And uh, her mom comes in and she decides to give her mom a little memory test. And I noticed at this point that her mom is starting to look younger. All of the people who are wearing the old age makeup seem to be looking younger. They're definitely acting younger. I kind of noticed it with Riley's dad. Definitely started to, uh, later on we see Riley's mom in this episode. She looks like she's getting younger. And then uh, Sarah's mom, Miss Gunning, looks like she's getting younger as well. But she's doing this memory test, asking her what her chores were as a child, what she used to do to have fun. We find out that even when Miss Gunning was a child, that they would go to the uppers to drink booze and to be with boys. So it's like the uppers is not some big secret. It is the place that everybody on the island should know is the place where debauchery happens. It's the place that is kind of nobody would ever go if not to do those things um and she asks about her dad and she talks about her dad and she asks who she is and she's like oh you're my daughter you're my doctor the dog so her, mo- her brain is there clearly and the mom decides to go make some tea and as she leaves to go make some tea the sun has shifted and is now hitting the test tube with Aaron's blood and we see the blood inside the test tube basically like boil over and then break the test tube. So, so like Aaron is a vampire maybe, or the baby, maybe her husband was a vampire and she was having a vampire baby. I don't know. Like what's going on with Aaron and her baby or her fetus is very weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why... I mean, I guess maybe if she was getting the communion that was tainted, like, maybe by drinking the communion that's tainted with the... or spiked with the vampire blood, that then starts to change your blood and is why there's regeneration. And maybe while it's making... The older people feel young. Maybe for Aaron, it reversed the pregnancy in some way. Maybe. Like her body consumed the fetus in some way. Like that would be the only thing that could explain it. Right? But a lot of questions with Aaron now with the the fetus disappearing with her blood boiling over when it hits the sun anyway I want to take a quick break from the show to let you all know that there is official merch for the Ray Taylor show head on over to inspireddisorder.com you can get t-shirts different artwork available different designs all on high quality materials in all the sizes there's also iphone cases made of biodegradable material that's right this is not bad for the environment this is good for the environment so all those designs that are available on t-shirts are also available on phone cases designed by me sold by me head on over to inspireddisorder.com to support the ray taylor show and promote it out in the world so all of the people in your life can see that you are a fan of the ray taylor show now let's get back to that very show 
right now. Uh, cut to Aaron is uh, at home. She's starting to box up all of her mom's old stuff, and she, Aaron, and Riley's there, and she's telling him that, you know, she's never got around to doing it, you know, and now it's for whatever reason. It's it's she feels finally that she, you know that's all she can do now is to go through her mom's stuff and to box it all up and she shows this crochet thing or this uh this uh saying from lamentations basically kind of a self-pity thing like a woe is me type of a thing which that's what her mom f kind of feels like she's kind of that another type of person that's always like oh woe is me it's always i'm you know, the martyr. I'm the one who's being punished by the world at all moments. Uh, and uh, it, it's kind of just another, like, everything we find out about Aaron's mom is is so much uh, a bummer. Just the self-pity, the alcoholism. And we get even more of that when we find out that as a kid, they used to keep birds. They got these doves. And her mom you know, said that we need to clip these doves' wings so they don't get away. Get this. Again, this is her seven-year-old daughter she's talking to. She said, everyone gets their wings clipped at some point. And I asked the next question. It's the only question a kid's going to ask when they hear something like that. I said, Mom, did you get your wings clipped? And she said, yep. Oh, yes. Day you were born. Just knowing just everything you know about her mom, it I knew that's what her response was going to was going to be when like talking about getting her wings clipped, knowing that the kid's going to ask mom, when did you get your wings clipped? And then like clearly like her mom reminds me of my mom in a lot of ways, uh, not specifically, but there's definitely that feeling of like I was a burden uh just just by virtue of how often i was sent to go sp live with other people uh and and my mom clearly wanting to still live her life and party and stuff like that where i wasn't really the responsibility that she wanted like almost like i was there to try and fix a failed relationship and then when that relationship ended i became the burden that she that she was responsible for. I don't know. That's at least that's kind of the feeling. I I felt like I was, you know, levels below as far as what was valued in that that house as an only child. So I kind of I definitely relate to and sympathize with Aaron in a lot of ways, uh, and this the story of that that bird. And then after hearing that, she decides to let the bird go, and her mom hits her obviously. Because that's what abusive people who who already blame you as the thing that clipped her wings. Like, I would be living a free life if not for you, child. Uh, and uh, just she talks about how that abuse uh, carried over. You know, the thing you're raised into you, you with, you tend to repeat trauma. And she got in relationships like when she left at 16, she did what she said she was going to do, leave. She was 16. She's going to be an actress. She's going to do all these things. And she ended up getting in a relationship that ended up being abusive as well. 
and it wasn't until she got pregnant she one day she took that pregnancy test you know she woke up sick took that pregnancy test and saw that she was positive that was the reason why she said Littlefoot changed her saved her because that's when she decided to get out of that situation finally and it's like and she said you know she married her mother you know because her her husband the guy that she married was just as abusive in his own ways and you see that you see that i have a friend that literally like she didn't marry but she like she had a relationship with a dude that is exactly like her mom like pathological liar always playing the victim like it, it, it's amazing to see how similarly people are just attracted to the same trauma over and over again. And, uh, you know, she, which is a lot to put on a baby. Oh, you're the thing that saved me. It's not good. It's not healthy either. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, even if Littlefoot existed, ended up didn't disappearing and existed, there's probably going to be some trauma there. Because a lot of weight is would have been put on the shoulders of that child because that's the the thing that they say like you can't add a, a human being to a situation as the thing to fix you to change people like there's so many people they have kids thinking they're going to fix their relationship they're going to change the person or they are going to change it's like people only change when they want to change adding another human being to the mix is not going to make that happen sometimes people do change sometimes that's just temporary sometimes people just don't change and then you just have a kid in a shitty situation as well and uh you know that kid probably would have had a lot of pressure to be this savior for aaron uh if not uh, if they had actually existed. Um, so she's talking about her abusive relationship. And then Riley uh, starts talking about his dream that he had. Because, you know, she's talking about how she tried to get away. And how she wanted to make this different life. And she ended up just repeating a lot of the same trauma. And then Riley's talking about these dreams that he had that we've seen. Where he's in his rowboat. It's morning. This, the water's gray. It's just, it's morning time, but the sun hasn't come up yet. And he's in this rowboat, and he's off the coast of the island, and he has this, you know, huge urge to get away from the island. If only he had the oars, if only he had, but he can't move. He can't physically use that boat to get away, and how he feels like he's stuck in the island. But he also says that he feels like that Aaron has the ability to get out. Like, he believes that she could get out of this situation, which technically they both can. They're both grown adults. It is possible to move and get a job somewhere else. Is it hard? Yeah. Is it, is it, it's hard. You don't have uh, the, the community. You don't have the family support when you go move away somewhere. But people do it all the time. It is, and especially if you don't have kids... People with kids do it all the time. But if you don't have kids, it's even easier. But anyway, he believes she can do it. Doesn't really have faith in himself. 
Uh, and then she asks him to pray with her, so they end up praying. Eventually, they start doing the Lord's Prayer, and then we cut to Pruitt also doing the Lord's Prayer. But he is definitely in a, a situation of desperation. We see a great performance from the actor who plays Pruitt. Let me bring up his name real quick. Uh, because his performance throughout this this uh, this episode is great. I mean, he's been great pretty much in in all of the episodes so far. But, I mean, his performance here, yo. Hamish Linklater. Hamish! Dude. I mean, your parents knew that you were going to be cast as a priest. Uh, his performance is amazing in this episode. Because he's, he's like... You see desperation in Father Paul and Mr. Pruitt. Uh, so he's saying the Lord's Prayer. And his stomach's growling. And he's got his rosary in his hand, cross in his hand, and he's squeezing it so tight that he ends up cutting himself. And his hand is bleeding. And because we know what he's hungry for, you see him grab the cross and just, it's kind of a gory scene, cutting his hand, his palm open, and then just desperately sucking the blood out of the palm of his hand. Definitely fiending for the blood. Cut to Joe is praying. Same type of desperation, same type of hunger, but he's standing in front of the beer cooler at the grocery store, and we see the sheriff in the grocery store because the sheriff's office is in the back of the grocery store and he's uh, asking how Joe's doing and how asking how his night's going to be like are you going to get drunk tonight Joe am I going to have to put you in the the jail so you know you can sleep things off and then we wake up like how are things going to go with you Joe and a Joe you know struggling I feel for Joe you know I obviously not a good guy shot a kid paralyze the kid sure but i feel for joe i feel for his pain i know like i don't know exactly that feeling of addiction but i know i i've tasted it you know just as father paul is tasting that addiction but i like joe like he's a damaged guy but means well he wants to do better and we see that he finally like just walks away tells the beer fuck you as he walks away or maybe telling the sheriff fuck you as well uh but he walks away doesn't end up getting uh any beer cut to pruitt is standing outside it's nighttime and he's kind of like testing to see if he's still gonna get burned putting his hand out from under the the uh overhang of his of his little house there and uh he's fine at the moonlight so he's you know definitely tentative when he walks out uh but he goes over heads over to miss gunning because of course he missed her daily mass so dr sarah opens the door lets him in and uh when he goes to the old lady gunning's room uh she instantly recognizes him and he walks in and it's like two people it's like an old reunion of friends a friendly reunion of of two people who are like she sees that he's young again and he gives her some you know like 
religious type of explanation and she's obviously like everybody else just like sure you you're young now that's super cool i'm totally that makes sense i have no problem with it i have zero questions it's like okay sure uh and she got less explanations than miss keen got but he comes in and she's experiencing change as well so i guess kind of proves the point in some ways i guess uh, but he comes in, they they kind of hold hands, and, and he says, okay, we need to give you your communion. And uh, they do that. Cut to Riley praying with Aaron, or they prayed with Aaron all day. Uh, and uh, they're still sitting on the couch, and she's asking him if she's delusional or naive. Uh, because of, you know, she's clearly religious, and Riley is not. And, you know, Riley, just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're not you're heartless, uh, which despite the the assumptions of religious people, atheists have morality and hearts and they're full of humanity. They don't need to be told to be nice to people uh, from a book. Uh, They're able to do so of their own accord just because they exist amongst other people. Uh, And. So he obviously doesn't believe that, but she does ask him what he thinks happens after they die, which is kind of a weird question. But I like, I mean, how Riley answers this question. Again, not only do I sympathize with Joe and like Joe as a character, I very much am related to the thoughts and opinions of Riley. And when she asks him, Uh, What he thinks happens when they die, I agree with his explanation. When I die, my body stops functioning, shut down. All at once or gradually, my breathing stops, my heart stops beating. Clinical death. And a bit later, like five whole minutes later, my brain cells start dying. But in the meantime, in between, maybe my brain releases a flood of DMT. It's a psychedelic drug released when we dream, so I dream. I dream bigger than I have ever dreamed before because it's all of it, just the last dump dmt all at once and my neurons are firing and i'm seeing this firework display of memories and imagination and i am just tripping like really tripping balls because my mind's rifling through the memories you know long and short term and the dreams mixed with the memories and it's a curtain call dream to end all dreams one last great dream as my mind empties the fucking missile silos and then i stop and then he goes on to say how you know everything will just continue to be as it was as if he never existed the the memories will no longer be he will never have the memories of killing the girl and all of that uh, and then his the all the organisms that live in his skin and inside of his gut, they'll start to eat 
away at at his corpse and uh, decompose, and he'll he will then you know th- his carcass will then feed life, all the living things that live inside you and on on you and your skin. Uh, will feed off of you and help in the process of decomposition, and that will be his purpose. His purpose will be to f- to continue on feeding life, and that eventually his atoms will disperse around the world as, you know, as the the things that lived on him and in him spread across the world, and uh, his atoms will spread just like the stars in the sky. It's very beautiful how he describes it. And that is how I view what will happen. That's it. DMT jump, drump, you, you know, you maybe in that moment, that moment time ceases to exist. And that, that split second of DMT experience becomes a new reality for you. Who knows? I've never done DMT, never done psychedelics. But everything I've heard, that's it makes sense. And, you know, that's the, the idea is that DMT is released from the pineal gland, your third eye. And when you die, that's gets released uh, to, as a way to help you help you mentally prepare for death. And uh, that's it. You're done. You don't go to a magical land. But then he asks uh, Aaron what she thinks. And she doesn't want to talk about what happens to her when she dies. She wants to talk about what happened to her baby, which was a fetus. It wasn't a baby yet, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, religion, especially in today's climate, uh, how religious people view life very conveniently. Uh, that, uh, you know, I, I don't believe uh, a human is... Uh, a human is alive until it comes out and proves itself to be alive. Uh, otherwise, it's just a parasite. It's a growing parasite. It is a clump of cells that, that multiplies and, and is living off of a host. It is not functional as their own. It is, it, is, it is not a viable thing. But, of course, the way she describes it is that it was a baby. But it was a baby that was only ever sleeping was never able to wake up and it was just down here for a short time a short nap to have a few dreams and then taken back up into heaven and the way she describes heaven it's a family reunion i she didn't mention her mom being there but you know she mentioned that her dad would be there not the baby's dad but aaron's dad which i don't we don't know we haven't heard anything about him no idea if he was even a good guy but she assumes that he was a good guy because he's in heaven and that heaven is just pure love that you're surrounded by people that love you and that there's all all love there uh and it's a very abstract kind of an idea obviously what is heaven and uh you know she gives her basic what i would assume most religious people would say you know she's like it's not like rivers of diamonds and fluffy clouds and and feathered wings it's just pure love which sure that's a nice little nice way to think of it i guess sure and the baby was alive and but she's like the baby is magically grown up what age who knows who knows what age that the fetus is now once it gets to heaven 
Maybe it gets to choose. I don't know. I'd like the, there's a lot of holes in the description of heaven uh, when it comes to religious people, but it is what it is. She's going through a traumatic event, uh, and Riley is definitely sympathetic to that. Uh, but that's her, the main point is that uh, you're not alone and that you're kind of uh, just surrounded by pure love, which sounds like somebody, something that Riley would love. I would hate to be, to die, like it would not be heaven for me. Pure, the pure love part, sure. But to be surrounded by family members, I'm not, clo- I'm not close with any of my family. Like, the last thing I would want to be surrounded by is a bunch of family members. Uh, but according to religious people, I'm going to hell anyway. So who can, I, I guess that's, that's the difference. Uh, it's only heaven if, if, you know, that's what you're into. So anyway... She explains her thoughts of what heaven is, and then her and and uh, Riley hold hands. Cut to Pruitt is frantically praying at home, in pain, in the kitchen, kind of emptying out his little travel communion bottles of wine into the big carafe. There's only a little bit left, just barely covering the bottom of the, the carafe. And he's freaking out, mumbling, praying, goes outside, screams, where are you? Like, like you can tell. Like, this is great performance, like I said. He goes back inside, chugs the, the craft of, of communion wine, which, assuming, is the blood of the angel. And then Joe shows up, seeing... Father Paul chugging, like, end over end the bottle of of the carafe of wine, uh, chugging what's left of it, and Joe shows up. Sorry to disturb you. I'm sorry. Hello, Joe. I I, I was just, um, I I had a hard day. But I did good. I, I didn't drink. Yeah, that's excellent. But it's a real struggle, you know, when you said, come by here, uh, if I ever felt like, if it got too much, but you're, you're busy. No, 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 no. Here, you come in here, you sit. So Joe walks in, he sees the news clipping on the wall and notices the picture and notices that it looks extremely similar to Father Paul. And he mentions that there was this rumor that went around that Monsignor Pruitt uh, may have had a, a child. Despite the fact that priests aren't allowed to have sex, uh, he stills like that was the rumor that, you know, maybe he was an illegitimate child of Mr. Pruitt. And he sees that Paul is acting kind of weird. Uh, but Paul's sympathizing with, with the hunger that Joe has felt. Because we've seen that addiction, that hunger, through Paul, through his reaction to basically running out of the blood of this angel and he says he's proud of him uh you know proud that he was able to go without because he knows the hunger and uh he gives him a hug 
And he kind of holds on really tight and doesn't let him go. And Joe is uncomfortable trying to get free of this, this death grip of a hug that Father Paul has on him. And as Paul lets go, Joe falls back, hits his head on the corner of a table, and then is laying on the ground, twitching, having a seizure, and you see blood starting to pool up around his head. And as Paul goes down to see what's up, uh, he dips his fingers into the blood and just gets starts feasting on the blood, and the scene ends with Paul just... Lips to open wound on Joe's head, just drinking straight from the tap. Very gruesome. I mean, it, it, it's a scene that you would see, like, from, like, Requiem from a Dream, you know? Like, a, the, the desperation that Paul has, the need to drink blood. So, from the, the viewpoint of an addicted vampire needing blood, uh, this is exactly what he needs. But... For me, as somebody who enjoyed Joe as a character, I am bummed out at Joe being gone now. Uh, but it ends with, uh, with, with Paul drinking the blood. Let's take a little break from the show to promote the many faces. That's right. I am also an artist. I do ink paintings on paper of abstract faces. A new face, a new painting gets released every single day over at InspiredDisorder.com. So head on over to my website to purchase original artwork directly from the artist. Also, there are prints available for select images. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com, buy original art, Buy prints if that's your jam, if you want 8x10 prints on high-quality paper. Also, if you're looking to wear some art, there are shirts available with original artwork by myself. Select faces from the many faces are also available in t-shirt form. You go to InspiredDisorder.com, you buy original artwork, you buy prints, you buy shirts, you're supporting an artist directly and if you're the type of person that likes to invest in nfts there are also nfts available for select faces go to inspireddisorder.com now and now let's get back to the show cut to riley waking up in aaron's bed they're both clothed obviously but they fell asleep in her bed she's already awake just looking at him just kind of creepy but whatever he wakes up and he says that he had a dream again she mentions that she never dreams, but uh, he says that her, his dream was different because this time in the boat, she was there. And uh, he asks if she's going to church. She says she's not going to church, that she wants to go to the mainland, not to get a second opinion, but to get a second opinion. Uh, and he's totally understanding of that. And she asks for him to come back tonight, you know, come back and uh, spend more time with her. Because she's, you know, it's clear that there's a connection there. She's lost now. She lost her, the thing that was supposed to save her, quote unquote. So she, maybe some, uh, whatever. Anyway, so she asked him to come back. Cut to Ali, uh, Ali, I mean, over at his house. The sheriff is there in the kitchen. He comes out and he's telling the sheriff that he, his dad, that he wants to go to church. It's Sunday, obviously. We, uh, you know, found out Aaron's not going to church. 
but Ali wants to go to church, and his dad's still not into it. Uh, he's And Ali's like, don't worry, I'm not going to take communion. And his dad's like, they wouldn't let you anyway because you're not Christian, which is true. You are not one of them. And he's like, if you're looking for God, you already have a God. So I don't know why you're doing this thing, but whatever. His kid's going to, you know, wants to experience this new thing. All the kids are doing it. Uh, so he ends up going regardless. Um, cut to Pruitt. It is church. Cut to uh, everybody. The church is packed. Uh the and everybody's looking around because Pruitt has not shown up. Miss Keene goes to check. She kind of throws a look at the Scarboroughs and the bearded dude, uh, but she goes to Pruitt's little house uh, to check on him. The door's locked. She goes inside and she sees Father Paul, Mr. Pruitt, on the ground, leaning up against the wall, soaked in blood. The blood stained floor and the dead body of joe and she could not care less about the dead body of joe obviously she's a little taken back but not that much and uh she you know she's she goes into action she knows what to do i don't, I don't know why i don't know why i don't know why hush no you don't have to say a thing not you not to me we've got to We've got to get you cleaned up, get you to the church. And then Mr. Pruitt, Monsignor Pruitt, shows her that he puts his hand in the sunlight that's peering through the, the window and shows that it burns him, and she's not phased by that either. Like, she is, does not care. She's already gotten over, you know, this is like the mental goalpost moving of religious people where it's like, I'm already believing that you were uh, regenerated by a angel that sucked your blood in Jerusalem that followed you back. I believe that you're creating these miracles. Uh, so the fact that the sun's burning you and that you had to kill Joe for some reason uh, a person that she has no respect for the life of Joe anyway. She's very unfazed. I mean, mildly unfazed. Mildly phased, but, you know, still, she's like, she knows what, she takes charge of the situation. But not, not bothered really at all. Uh, so she goes back into the church. She says to the congregation that mass is canceled, that, you know, Father Father Paul is still dealing with this illness, uh, and that that mass is going to be canceled. But uh, Dolly, uh, I think her name is Mrs. Scarborough, is going to come up and she's going to lead you in some songs, and they'll do their their own thing. So kind of have a thing, but they're not going to be any communion or whatever. And uh, she leaves, and as Miss Keen leaves, the bearded dude and Mr. Scarborough follows her. Wade follows her. And they walk in, and she starts referring to Joe as it. Like, we need to take care of it. We need to wrap it up and take it to one of the houses on the West Bank. And then at night, we're going to take it and tie it to an anchor and put it in the, the, the water. 
Like, not even referring to Joe as a person who was just momentarily a, a, just alive moments ago. She's just completely dehumanizes him as an it, uh, which is not surprising how just heartless Miss Keene is and how little she valued Joe's life whatsoever. Uh, but, of course, Wade is a little bit hesitant <laughs> like because he he realizes that joe is a person even though the community the majority of the community did not like him the, the fact that he was responsible for his daughter becoming paralyzed for a short period of time she is no longer paralyzed but he still has some humanity within him being the mayor of the town maybe not wanting to be part of the cover-up of a murder uh but slapped immediately by mrs keen and she's she's quoting the bible which the great thing about the bible that it like constantly contradicts itself within the pages of the bible that there's always quotes and things you can say for any given situation to justify any action because just as like the part of a the part of the Bible says thou shalt not kill. There's tons of reasons why you could kill somebody, why you should stone somebody. So it's like it's a catch-all for any kind of uh, quote that you may need to justify whatever action you may have, as long as it's in the name of God. Uh, and God was moving through Father Paul, was moving through. Uh, Mr. Pruitt. It was God's will that he killed Joe. Joe is dead because God wanted Joe to be dead. And Pruitt was just working in the name of the Lord. And how dare you question that, Wade? It's just disgusting. <laughs> God made him do it. Uh,. And then she goes to Pruitt and she's like, do you feel guilty for what you did? And and he's like, N no, like he's out of it, clearly, because he's like everybody. Everybody's kind of in the reality of like a, a human was just slaughtered in this room, except for Miss Keene. She's the only one that really never cared about, never really doesn't really seem to care about anybody other than herself and power that's uh, that's seemingly what she cares about she knows that using religion to gain power uh is is pr priority over everything uh but you know she she justifies it convinces you know pruitt to not even worry about it. it's like listen god was working through you it was god's will to kill joe you needed to kill joe to continue with your miracles just disgusting. Cut to uh, Aaron on the mainland. Doctor comes in and the doctor's like, listen, there's no sign that you were ever pregnant. Like when people are pregnant, their body shows these things and they don't just disappear, even with a miscarriage. And it's, it's like not only does it not seem like you miscarried, it never seems like you're pregnant to begin with, which just makes that whole situation with Aaron and the fetus even crazier. That's why I think maybe because of the blood, maybe it like it like consumed. I don't know. I'm going to be very interested to see how they explain that because it's clearly a big part of this episode with the baby disappearing. So it'll be interesting to see how this show explains that situation. 
or it's just going to be a situation like we're just people just uh, i don't know they don't explain it I either way uh and then the doctor offers like maybe you should talk to one somebody in our psych department because you know it's like she thinks that she just believed she was pregnant and never was despite the fact that the she, you know she saw her on the she's like well you, i don't know what your doctor saw i don't you know based on what i've done with my tests you've never you show signs of a, a body that has never carried uh never been pregnant very interesting cut to uh riley is at the rec room which is locked you know he's showing up for his aa meeting and then he looks over and he sees Pruitt standing on his porch, staring at him very creepily, like just like kind of hunched over and just like super creepy, super creepy. And he's like, hey, I didn't know if you're feeling well. I didn't know if this was still going on. Uh, but Pruitt walks over. Father Paul walks over. and He's like, yeah, I'm feeling better. Let's go. So they have their meeting and they're kind of talking about uh, Aaron's miscarriage. And, and Riley asks what Father Paul would have said to her. And, you know, he kind of kind of stumbles through it and he, you know, doesn't really know what he would have said necessarily. And, uh, you know, that it's OK not to know. It's OK not to have answers, which is kind of, you know, an answer that Riley would agree with that, you know, it's not o it's OK to not always have the answers for why things happen. Right. God's will, maybe whatever. Who knows? Which is also a very convenient thing for somebody for a religion that's based on god's will and it's like well it happened because god wanted it to happen god allowed it to happen you know god specifically chose for lisa to walk again and for aaron's baby to disappear and for there to be no sign of it ever existing to begin with and uh riley mentions that you know he kind of wants to wait father paul asks uh for his uh, whatever next step he's on in the the 12-step program. And he's like, oh, I was kind of hoping that we could wait for Joe. And he's like, oh, Joe's not showing up today. And he gives the excuse that Joe went to the mainland to visit his sister. But obviously Riley knows that's bullshit because Riley knows that Joe's sister is dead. Now, it could have been misconstrued as he's going to visit his sister's grave. Obviously, it wasn't worded that way, and obviously, we know that Joe is dead, but Riley is like, ah, this guy is lying to me. Riley knows he's lying to me, because uh, he, he didn't go visit his sister, and he knows he, he probably would have said something, like, he, he's not comfortable going to the mainland. Cut to Riley's at dinner. And his mom is is praising Ali for going to church, showing up to church, and how difficult that must be because of uh, his dad's religion. And she's just like, it's a miracle of what, what Father Paul has done for this island. And afterwards, she's talking with uh, Riley, who's getting ready to go over to Aaron's house. Uh, and he's, she's telling him about when he was a kid and how... You know, he wondered why the island, everybody who lived on the island didn't live in tree houses like Swiss Family Robinson. And, and that his mom said, that, you know, we, we, we didn't shipwreck here. It's like, this is where we are. This is where we live. And Riley never felt like he lived here. He always felt like he was stuck here. 
And that's still something that even in his dream is something that he uh, kind of feels to this day. Uh, and she's talking about all the miracles, how she not doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. And uh, his dad, is, his back is fine now. And that it's, you know, all these miracles are proof of God and that Riley should be religious again because of all this proof now, that there's proof that there is God. And uh, Riley tells her that, like, you need to be careful because Mr. Pruitt lied or Father Paul lied. He's a liar. Okay, he lied to me, and who knows what else he's being dishonest about. You know, if you're going to be the man of the Lord, you, you should never lie. <laughs> you know, I, I for the same, like, the, just another reason why I love Riley, why I relate to Riley. It's like, when I notice people lie, like, that is, you are a, a different type of a person to me now. Especially over something as, as minute as as far as joe lying about joe going to like if i know you're capable of lying then i will always take everything you say and filter it through is that a lie is that not a lie i will constantly i will ask questions in order to suss out if you are being truthful or or not and usually people who lie tend to lie a lot like especially if they lie about little things like it's something that, like people that that like live a lie uh feel very comfortable uh lying about any and all things that just make it more convenient for their narrative but he warns her not to trust him uh so cut to at the rec center we have pruitt just frantically praying just like pacing back and forth and of course the angel shows up and he you know where have you been and he's desperate he's out of the sacrament you have the carafe sitting on the table just at the front of the the rec room and uh the angel goes over and cuts open his wrist and starts bleeding filling up the carafe again uh and you know it's it's you see what's going on and then cut to riley uh, showing up to Aaron's house, but not going in. He's outside, and he pauses, and he's like, I, I got to talk to Like, clearly, he wants to go confront Paul. He's like, his sister? You know, and, and then he's walking over, and I'm like, no, don't go to the rec room. And Riley walks to the rec room, and he sees the door is open to the rec room, and he walks into the rec room, and he sees Father Paul on his knees praying. And he sees this tall guy, you know, looks over and he's like taken aback because he sees this tall guy that he saw, same thing that he saw on the beach, wearing the hat and the coat, glowing red eyes. And then he gets attacked. I'm like, this show is, is killing all of the people that I like in this show. There's so few characters that I 
even can stand in this show. And it's like surrounded by a religion that I cannot stand. And then Riley gets attacked. Father Paul Pruitt goes and closes the door as Riley's getting his blood sucked. So, okay, Riley may be not dead, right? He's getting his blood sucked in the same way that Pruitt did. So, I don't know, Riley's going to look younger? I don't, I don't know. Obviously, the next episode, I mean, that's the end of this episode. That's how this episode ends, with Riley getting his neck sucked by this angel demon angel so uh, i don't know if riley's dead i don't know if he's turning into if he's gonna turn into a vampire if he's gonna look younger i don't know what's up so many questions like this episode is a turning point right where either i'm not gonna like where this this show is going or it's clearly the rubbers hit the road you know it's, it's like, okay, we made this transition to where there's a group of people that are just completely buying Mr. Pruitt, younger, sucking the blood of Joe, killing Joe. They're okay with it. They're perfectly going to help him out. All of my favorite characters potentially dead. I mean, Joe is definitely dead. Uh, but who knows what's happening to Riley. I mean, he's a, a main character, so I can't imagine... I just I would imagine he's just turning or whatever. I don't know what the rules are of the vampires in the show either. So, you know, it took Father Paul or Mr. Pruitt forever before the sun started affecting him. So, but he did instantaneously. I mean, I guess he's getting the blood sucked from him, but he's not necessarily drinking the blood. I don't know. I I'm I'm big question What's going to happen to Riley? Is Riley dead now? What's up? There's going to be the, whatever happened to Aaron's baby. Why is her blood boiling in the sun? Why does, why does it seem like her baby just disappeared and never happened again? Obviously, it's got to mean something. Uh, why is everybody just super okay? It's like, whatever. That's okay. That kind of whatever. I assume now, since the the sh name of the show is Midnight Mass, that because of F Father Pruitt or Mr. Monsignor Pruitt's sensitivity to light, is that they're going to start holding mass at night, at midnight. Hence the name of the show, Midnight Mass. So I assume that's going to ha start happening. Um, and just what happened to the disappearing fetus? Questions. B major questions. <laughs> you know, interesting to see what happened. This is like the midway point. There's only seven episodes in this show. So episode four is the midway point. So it's clearly we're on the downhill. It's all downhill from here. Uh, things are going to start happening pretty drastically. I mean, people are already starting to get picked off. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm interested to see where the show goes because I am not. I, I'm not happy with the way this ended. Like two of my two of the characters that I enjoyed the most that I related to the most. I mean, I guess Sheriff is still around. I like the Sheriff. Not necessarily a big fan. Aaron kind of feels after, you know, her. She definitely seems a little delusional and naive. I know she she asked Riley if that's what he thought she you know her his opinion of her was, and I'm watching this going yeah kinda. 
you think heaven is a family reunion that's full of pure love i don't know any family reunion that's ever been pure love it is like this it's it's like a romantic idea of best case scenario that doesn't make any sense like why would that be heaven is it's everybody would love to be around family at all times like no people that are like super close with their family is really weird to me it's like a red flag it's like that's what it just i don't know it's foreign to me anyway i'm interested to see where the show goes from here uh but that was it episode four lamentations uh the next episode is um something my laptop's not moving so we'll see what uh next episode episode five book five uh what happens there new episodes of the ray taylor show come out every single day subscribe on youtube and everywhere our podcasts are found binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus buy ray taylor show merch over at inspireddisorder.com and follow the show on instagram at ray taylor show have a wonderful day everybody peace Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can